So we are on Collins Conversations. I'll let you introduce yourself, let, let everybody know who you are, where we are, and how everything got started as to why I'm here. Hello, good morning. My name is Marie Curtsy. I'm an agent with New York Life. Um, I met Colin via LinkedIn. I reached out to him one day um, in regards to getting together for coffee. And next thing you know, he offered me to be a guest on his wonderful show. And here we are today. Um, I came to New York Life almost a year ago. Um, I came from property management. I worked for a local property management company in the accounts receivable department and actually was a client before I became an actual agent. Um, I received a postcard in the mail from my agent in regards to a job and was just clueless as to why he had sent me that postcard. But when he came back in to offer us, I think, short-term disability, he informed me that it was just something that the company sent out randomly and then something went off in his head and he was like, are you looking for a job? And I'm like, <laughs> yes. Nice. And so he introduced me to, well, reintroduced me to um, my now partner, Megan Shields. At the time, she was an agent when I met her, but she had become a partner. Um, and from there, the rest is history. Um at the old job, it had got really boring. I had a real high time at the beginning of the month, and then I would have a real low time the next two weeks, and then the last week it would be real high. Um, but in between all of that, the real reason how I think I got to New York Life is September 11th, 2016, my family and I were on our way to Cedar Point. We had an awesome day at Cedar Point. Their father was on his way to pick us back up from Cedar Point and unfortunately was killed in a car accident on the causeway on his way to get us. So as a millennial, I know a lot of us don't think about life insurance because we're young and we have the rest of our lives to live. But that was the same thing that my fiance thought at 37 years old. And I thank God every day that he did have life insurance because it taught me the value of life insurance through life and through death. If he wouldn't have had life insurance, I don't know what our family would have did and where we would be at now. Um, so I'm real thankful for that. And I think that is another reason why I came to New York Life, just to share my story with the world and the importance of life insurance and just to get it while you're young because you never know what could happen. You could get sick. You could unfortunately die prematurely. I'm pretty sure we all know someone who's died before they retired. You know, we don't plan to, but... It's just something that happens. So with life insurance, you can at least help your family along the way. It's not going to bring you back, but it'll make it a little bit easier. Gotcha. So you gave me a few things to unpack there. And before I forget some of my little pre-interview pre research, I'll bring it out. So what took you to the University of Toledo? Um, I'm originally from Sandusky, Ohio. So it was either between Toledo or Central State which is down near Dayton. And I actually didn't get my information back from them in enough time. And the University of Toledo accepted me. And I had a few friends that went there and they told me that they liked it. So I went down, did a visit, liked it, and went there. And actually now they're doing a lot of great things back there at the University of Toledo. And what was your degree? Financial services. And that sounds like the most boring thing in the world to me. As, as somebody going into college, looks like I want to do financial services. Have well, you just always been into money and math, or how did that become? Yes, always have been into money and math um, since a young age. And I actually was going for accounting. I guess this is a little embarrassing, but it is what it is. Um, was going for accounting, had got a professor for one class. I don't even remember what class it was, but 
for some reason or another, I just couldn't pass his class. And he had tenure, so he wasn't going anywhere. And he was the only one who taught the class. I got a tutor. I took it again and still couldn't pass. And they're like, yeah, if you can't pass this class, we can't give you an accounting degree. So I took the other class that was offered, and I ended up with a financial services degree. So kind of sounds like the story I was telling earlier about how I wanted to be the teacher. Yep. I was like, all right, this math class is going to be the end of me. Like, yep. I got to figure out a new way. That's how the accounting class was for me. I just, for some reason, couldn't get it. And I wasn't the only student there who went through that. Other people told me, like, oh, good luck trying to pass this class because I couldn't. So it just was something that, I, you know, I was down about it at first. But then I was like, hey, it is what it is. Right. Let me just take this class and get my degree and figure something else out. Like you said, you did. Absolutely. And was it you just kind of saw the societal pressures of like, I need to have a degree in something? Or was it that you kind of just always wanted to go into that more professional type field? Um, I think I did want to go into that field. Um, at first, I wanted to be a cosmetologist when I first went to high school. But then that changed. And I took a business class where we were doing accounting and stuff. And I fell in love with it. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to go to college for. Um and it didn't happen, but I didn't let that stop me. I just said, hey, I'm going to get a degree and I'll figure something out when I get out of college. That's mm -hmm. what led me to the property management company and their accounting department. And when you went to school, did you have to take out a lot of loans and things like that? or? Yes. I have to ask it as a yes. question. I can't just say, how bad were your loans? You know? <laughs> yes, took out a lot of loans, man. Still paying back. It's a pain in the butt. That seems to be kind of that national hotspot now, like Bernie Sanders is talking about just forgiving people's student loans, which I think is ridiculous. Everybody that's paid back their loans, like, what are you going to do, give them money? But what do you think as somebody that didn't, like you said, you didn't quite know that you were going to have a job, but you still took on, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars of debt or a hundred thousand, whatever it is, a insane, insane amount of money just insane to go get amount. some books and have three or four years of schools and parties is... is now that you're looking back, it was it worth taking out all those loans? To, did, did that degree really get you where you are now? No. It wasn't worth it. Um, thinking back then, I didn't realize that. But looking back now, it didn't get me to where I'm at. I don't need a degree for this job that I'm at. It's people who work here who don't have a degree, and they're and they they're very successful. Just like in the job that I had previous to this, there wasn't a degree requirement. There were people there who had degrees, but it wasn't required. And I think that's the way of the world now that where you don't necessarily need a degree to do a certain job, you could just have certain skills to where they could teach you to do the job. And I want to say maybe that's why now I know a lot of high schools are offering it where you can graduate with not only a high school diploma, but an associate. Mm -hmm. So it's like, Thinking back on my generation, the older millennials, like if we would have had something like that, I think a lot of us wouldn't have as much debt. And some of us probably wouldn't even have went to college after getting that associates because it's a lot that you can do with an associates. You could have a trade and still be successful without going to college and spending hundreds and thousands of dollars that you're going to worry about how you're going to pay back. Right. Yeah, I think I'm kind of impartial to that because I kind of went out and I got my own trade one of those like I went to school and I was like I hate doing this I've, I worked in banks I hated it I sold I, I would say I sold insurance but I didn't quite make it long enough to sell insurance <laughs> but I worked, worked at Progressive it's like the only job I've ever been fired for because I didn't pass the licensing test there's the property and the casualty mm -hmm. insurance yep and you know you get two times to take it I think and no three times to take it whatever it was but First time I failed both of them by two. Next time I failed one of them and got past the one, but I missed the other one by one. Oh so my gosh. Time, like, 
Like, yeah. You're gonna fail the second one again because they don't tell you, you know, what you, what you got wrong. Yeah. Which yeah. How you're supposed to learn and teach yourself. Exactly. That 300 some page book. Exactly. So I got fired before I could actually sell it. Kind of learning through that process. If yeah. I'd only been a customer service agent and actually gone through and actually understood all the lingo and everything else that they were talking about mm -hmm. before I went and did that, it would have been cake easy because the only difference is you click over to the guy that has the thing to make the sale of the policy. But oh, wow. Like, yeah, it's the only difference that progressive. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yeah. The, the customer service agencies aren't licensed, so they can't sell the policy, but they'll walk you through, set everything up, and just send the screen to another guy. All right, you want this? Done. <laughs> oh wow! So yeah, I got fired from that one, but that, that was a great job. Until yeah. then, yeah. Um, but yeah, sure I, I went through all the different ones. I sold computers. I did just about every job until I kind of worked with a guy doing landscaping. You know, I thought I did good, made 150 bucks or something on the day, 100 bucks, whatever it was, and went. All he did was sit in his Audi and drink coffee, and went to go pick up my money. You know, a couple days later, and saw the invoice of an address that we were at for the bush trimming job, and I was like, wait a minute, he got 100, I got 100, he got 100. You got twelve hundred minus this. It's like you made nine hundred dollars to drink coffee. Yeah, I'm we did the, all the work. I'm, I'm on the wrong end of this. So yeah. I bought a truck. I bought different things and kind of just learned the trade. Or same with marketing. I realized that people don't know how to work. I got every year I'd go through landscaping, kind of hire another one or two guys on, mm -hmm. throwing everything from valedictorian to felon to retiree, and mm -hmm. nobody really knows how to work. And if they do, they do what I do and go start their own thing. Yep. So kind of realizing that I couldn't really scale what I was doing there, but I'd always done all my own marketing, all my websites, my flyers, you know, business listings, all that. So let's get rid of the labor and all these machines that I had to learn how to fix throughout the years and get this camera, that camera, got a laptop, you know, and kind of just take that and learn and teach people what I've learned to keep me in business for 10 years. Yes. Because why have to go, you know, like you said, get $100, $100,000 worth of loans where trial and error, I, I guarantee nine and a half out of 10 people, if you could take 100000 put it in loans or trial and error plans. Trial and error all day. I'm going with trial and error. <laughs> trial and error. Absolutely. And it's crazy to me how a, a, a bank will give a student loan like that. But you want a business loan? Ooh. <laughs> Good luck. It's a whole different ball. Good luck. You know? I don't get that either because it's like if you, to me, if you have a business plan and you have a business model and you have a mission statement and all of that other good stuff and they may not know the skills that you exactly have, to me, you should be able to get a loan. Right. Whereas you're 18, getting ready to go to college, know nothing about the world. Right. Some people know a little bit about the world. Some people know a little bit about money and about credit. But it's like, oh, yeah, here, take this money. <laughs> and go and get this so-called education mm -hmm. and pay us back when it's all done and over with. <laughs> and it's like, okay, with what job? Right. With what career? You know, how am I supposed to pay you back? The degree that I got is not being put to use. And before I actually started in property management, I worked at the BMV in Sandusky. No degree required. <laughs> high school diploma and that's it. So it's like, and that was shortly after college. So it was just like, okay. What do I do with this piece of paper? Right. What was it like working at the BMV? I, know, I only know the BMV from the other side. <laughs> What's it like on the other side? Um, I think it was great. Um, I was in a city where I was from, so I knew a lot of people. It gave me the opportunity. Like, I think I seen all of my teachers from kindergarten through <laughs> my senior year except for two. And then I got to see other people that I never had seen, well, that I hadn't seen in years or something like that. A lot of people complain about it. They think it's a bad job. The only bad part I think about it is that it's not a state job. That's so so you don't get the state benefits. The deputy of that BMV, they own that BMV. Mm -hmm. So 
you work for them you don't work for the state of ohio unfortunately and to me that was the only downside you didn't have a 401k you didn't have any really good benefits all you had was health insurance and that was pretty much it Got but it. other than that i thought it was fun i learned a lot and Got to meet a lot of new people and got to see a lot of old people who I hadn't seen in years or decades. Right. Yeah, I only learned that like a year or so ago that it wasn't a, like, and it's like dumbfounded me. I'm like, wait a minute, like all they do is state-sanctioned work. Yep, a lot of people think that it's a state job, but it's not. You work for the deputy who owns it, unfortunately. That's crazy. Yeah. And then growing up in Sandusky, Cedar Point every day, or what's, what's it like living that close to place, a place that people come from all over the world? Um, as a teenager, it was real fun because you got to meet different people. And like if you were going to the hotels to go swimming and stuff in the summer, you would meet different people. Um, I want to say maybe my early teen years, I went a lot in the summer. Mm -hmm. But after that, it was like, okay, mm -hmm. it's old now. Kind of like, like it's in your backyard. It's yeah. Not, it's not like that seasonal one time a year trip where no, you're driving out there. Or no, but now... I can't say now it's even like that um, just because I have kids because they're used to going now just because, you know, we had the platinum passes in 16 and we only went back. We didn't go back at all in 17 just because they were OK with it, but it was real emotional for me just because that's where their father was killed at on that causeway. Like driving to Cedar Point isn't bad because mm -hmm. that was the last time that we were a family. But it's like driving from Cedar Point, like just remembering that day, remembering like we didn't have a family after then. Our family had been torn apart. But then last year, <clears throat> excuse me, we did go last year a couple of times and haven't been, <clears throat> excuse me, haven't been this year at all either. But like I said, it's something that they're like, oh, okay, Cedar Point, right. you know, it's not like, oh, we're going to Cedar Point. Right. So Kings Island and other parks, yeah, but. Cedar Point, unfortunately not. Nice. And uh, let's kind of take something you put there. What advice do you have for other women or other families that do lose a loved one before, you know, not that it's anybody's time, but before you're ready to let them go? What what helps you through that grieving process and things like that? Um, For sure, God and family and friends. And then just coming into the realization that everything happens for a reason. I might not understand the reason why, but it happens for a reason. Um, like I said, I think that's what brought me here. And for sure, in the last three years, I've seen a lot of growth in myself that I don't think I would have seen. Not saying that he was holding me back or anything, but going through that process changed me in a lot of ways. For the good. In the beginning, maybe some for the bad because I didn't know how to deal with a lot of my emotions. And I think just losing someone in that sense where there wasn't any closure, like it wasn't someone who was sick or something like that. It was something that tragically happened. Um, and just staying grounded, knowing that, you know, there is hope for the future, no matter what. Like you can't just give up on life. Um, I thank God for my kids every day because I don't know if I would have been able to get through it without them. I have a great family um, that's really stepped up to support me and them. Um, they're still there for us. But just knowing that, you know, everything happens for a reason and you might not understand it right now, but eventually you will. Gotcha. If that makes sense. Yeah, it totally makes sense. And um, kind of off that one, 
I never quite have like the questions made up until like they're like in my head. Right. She said two or three things. Like you gotta go back to that one before I forget it. Yeah. Uh, property management. What got you into property management? Okay, so when I first moved here, um, while working at the BMV, I did taxes for H and R Block. So when I moved here, I'm like, oh, well, that's an easy thing that I can just transfer to another H&R Block. But I decided when I moved here, I was like, I'm not doing taxes. I was just a receptionist. So I was looking for a job before the tax season ended. And a friend of mine in Toledo had a friend that was living here in Cleveland. They both are in property management. And she knew that he was looking for someone in his accounting department. And so I was like, eh, I really don't know a lot about property management. I don't know if that would be something that I would want to do. Mm -hmm. And she was like, you know, just go to the interview and meet with him and, you know, hear about the job and then go from there. You know, it's not something that you have to do. Went to the interview. Me and him clicked really well. Um, I didn't end up getting a job in the accounting department. I ended up getting an administrative assistant. But three months later, I did go to the accounting department. Um, I enjoyed it. A lot of people say that it's a cult. Like once you get into property management, you don't get out. And at first I believed it to be true because I left that company and went to another company. The company that I actually went to was a local company, you know, instead of one that's world, well, countrywide, but it's a local company here in Northeast Ohio. Um, I started out in the property management office and the local office in Lakewood, just helping people find apartments and, you know, renewing leases, collecting rent, just a little simple stuff. And then heard about a new position that they had just created and was like, this is me. This is accounting. This is where I'm supposed to be. Um, I can say working at the property level and working at the corporate level, two different things. Mm -hmm. um, property level, total interaction with the residents. Corporate level, no interaction with the residents. Um I enjoyed both ends, but I want to say I enjoyed the corporate end a little more just because I was back in accounting mm -hmm. as opposed to the day-to-day -day of, you know, doing marketing ads on Craigslist or apartments, apartment guides and things like that. I was back into doing what I love to do. So it was like, why wouldn't I take this opportunity? I think it's a great field. It's growing. I don't see it going anywhere. Um, people are always going to be looking for somewhere to live. And I think it's more of a personal touch when you have someone showing you and telling you, just like what a real estate agent, you have someone showing and telling you as opposed to going online and say, oh, I can take a virtual tour of this place. Like you really don't get to see it for what it's worth like you will in person. Right. Have you ever heard of the service Fireball Approves? No. Uh, Tammy Sorrento, she was on the podcast, uh, I don't know, 10, 15 episodes ago, but she's kind of on the other end of that. What they do at Fireball Approves is they specialize in Craigslist um rentals okay um, like nurses and college students and people that are going you know looking to relocate and rent or vacation and rent type things oh okay and they kind of go and do all that back leg work of making sure that the person that says they're the property manager is who they say they are making sure you know that it's actually a, a for a rent apartment mm -hmm. not just like somebody's address and things like that um which i think where you said that that property management is going anywhere i feel people like her are going to really blow up, you know, once, you know, people, especially if you're sending your, your kids to college yep. away and you want to get that, something doesn't seem right and they kind of just send them her way or whoever is doing that service that way just to get that kind of one removed perspective of like, all right, everything seems like all the, all, everything's in order here. Yeah, because that is when I worked on a property level for the, for the last company in Lakewood, we did have a lot of people who were getting ready to come and go to Case or Cleveland State and they were from other states. And it's like, yeah, I've seen it online, 
and I'm talking to you, but how do I know that this unit that's online is the unit that I'm going to get and it's not just some show unit that you lure people to. So they did sometimes have, if they had a family member here, they had a family member come, take a look at the place and basically do what that lady is doing right. to make sure everything was legit and it wasn't a scam because there are a lot of scams out there where people are saying they have things for rent and it's not really what it is. And from both your property management experience and your insurance experience, is there a kind of any go-to rules to spot a scam of somebody that's trying to take your money when you're signing up for those big life things like insurance or housing? Um, housing, I would say, with just like with everything else, yes and no. Um, just because some people just think like, oh, I'm in the Cleveland area, you know, it's people who want to go to Case, it's people who want to go to Cleveland State, you know, and they're coming here from another state, you know, maybe I can lure them in by showing them this really nice unit that has all of these updates, but then when they come here to visit, you know, I'm showing them that same unit, but then when it's time for them to rent, they're actually getting a different unit, and that's happened before too. Um, with life insurance, yes and no. I want to say no because from this is the only company that I've worked for. Mm -hmm. I haven't worked for another life insurance company, um, but there are people out there who are only out there to make money. They'll call you and say, "Hey, Colin, you know, I just was taking a review of your policy, and you know, you should add this to your policy." And then you're like, "Oh, okay, you know, that sounds good, you know." And you may not know a lot about insurance, so you're like, "Oh, okay, you know, well, what do I do to to add it?" Oh, it's going to be another 50 bucks. And then you're like, oh, okay, well, I'm only paying 50 now, so maybe I could afford another 100. And then the next couple of months, they're calling you again to say, hey, you know, just found something new for you, Colin. You know, it's going to be another 50 bucks. And then you're like, hey, you're only calling me when you want me to spend money. You're not calling to see if anything's changed with me, to check on me, to see how I'm doing, to see how my business is doing, anything of that sort. You're just strictly calling me for money. And sometimes those are the policies where someone may think that they have life insurance and they may only have accidental death insurance. Gotcha. So there are companies out there. I'm not fully aware of all of those companies, but I've heard other stories from other agents who've worked for other companies and also other clients who have been with other companies. Mm -hmm. And uh, like, like you said, I think a lot of people, that's why they don't like insurance is you, your typical thinking of what that interaction is, is Hey, uh, I want you to give me more money. Hey, uh, I want you to give me more money. Oh, you need to you need to file a claim. Yeah, you're not covered for that. Um, so, what do you as an agent do to help kind of not only build the personal rapport with your potential customers, but also educate them on what they're doing or what you think they need? Um, well, we have a process here that we go by, and everybody tweaks it to make it their own. Um, I first just start off by introducing myself. You know, telling them how I came to New York Life, telling them my story and then sharing information about, you know, New York Life and then walking them through a process saying, hey, if this is what you're interested in, you know, this is all the information that you'll need. I'll bring back some more information for you to make a final decision. And during the whole process, I'm asking them, you know, does this make sense to you? Are you comfortable with this? Do you understand this? Just to make sure that they are on the same page, because I believe that there are a lot of people out there who don't know what they have because their person has only been transactional with them. Mm -hmm. They haven't built a relationship with them. Like my clients, I know their kids, I know them. Some of them I've been to their houses, I've been invited to parties of theirs. So it's like an ongoing relationship. 
I also explain to them because they're young like I am and some of them are new to their careers as well and I explain to them like look we're gonna grow together you're either gonna start a family and buy a house and become more successful in the business that you're in now or you're gonna venture off with some of the things that we've talked about and do but we're gonna grow together you're gonna grow as a professional and your family as well I'm not growing with my family because I'm done having kids, but I'm going to grow as a professional as well. And I also try to explain to some of my older clients, you know, like I'm here for you. But also if you were to, you know, unfortunately pass away, I'm still going to be here for your children and your grandchildren. I'm not going anywhere. So it's like I just try to bring more of a value and show them that I'm not a transactional person. When I reach out to my clients to say, you know, sometimes I see them, they might have a success story on LinkedIn or Instagram or Facebook. Like, I shoot them a text or, you know, give them a call later in the day and say, hey, congrats on that. I'm so happy for you. You know, what does your wife think of that? How are you guys celebrating this? You know, different things like that. And I also try to personalize it, you know, by sending them a birthday card on their birthday to say, hey, you know, I'm thinking about you. And some of them are shocked. I have one client who actually was like, my birthday's not coming up. And I'm like, huh? And he's like, yeah, my birthday's in February. This was last month. And I'm like, no, your birthday is in August. And he's like, no, my birthday is February 7th. And I'm like, no, it's August 7th. And then he, I got to looking and he was like, I got you. And I'm like, oh, okay. I was like, I knew your birthday was coming up. I didn't think it was in February, but he just was like, you know, I never expected you to get me a card or anything. I just try to add a personal touch and then going to visit them you know if I'm in an area that they work in I'll stop in and say hey you know like I have a couple of clients who are barbers and I received some flowers like two weeks ago more than what I could handle at home so I took some into the barber shop and was like hey you know I just was thinking about you guys I'm thankful for you guys as clients and just wanted to bring these flowers in here you know to not spruce up the place but you know to shine some light in here right uh, I think that is a lost art, not just with insurance, but I mean, even my, myself in business. Like, I, I think with landscaping customers, I think, oh, you know, new customer, or big job, send them the thank you or whatever. But, you know, a lot of people are so used to that digital thing. Yep. That they're like, oh, well, you know, I don't need to send a physical thing. But when you actually get that car that you have to open and get pulled out of the mailbox, you're like, oh, this cost them a couple dollars and 10 minutes of their time. But... I'm not going anywhere else after that. Yeah, and it's like a you're actually building a relationship with them. You're not being transactional with them, just calling them when you want money from them. You're actually showing them that you're thankful for them mm -hmm. as a client and, you know, that you appreciate the business that they've given you the opportunity to do with them. Have you thought, it kind of is against that, but kind of blends with the modern times. Have you thought of making um, like a Facebook group of just your clients? A Facebook group of just my so that clients. way, it kind of you could build that community of hey, we all have this common link of this is our life insurance agent, and all she does is try to help build me up. Let me help build up the other people and kind of make it a full online community. No, I never thought about that, but that is a good idea. Um, reason I say so is group posts and Facebook particularly get far more mm -hmm. organic reach than anything that mm -hmm. you can put up as either a person or a company. And then it also kind of builds that, like you said, if you have a customer that's a barber, an electrician, a plumber, blah, blah, blah. All right, well, this person is vetted out by you, so I trust her. So yes. kind of building that network of we are kind of building together as you grow I want to bring everybody else with me, whether it's a Facebook group or, I mean, there's a million different mediums, mm -hmm. but kind of, and again, I don't know, you know, kind of with the personal 
information thing of how, but if, if you're going and seeing people, it seems to me like an easy way to kind of bring 800 people together, together as one. And it's, you know, my community, whether it's LinkedIn, Facebook, just something to keep in, keep in mind in the books. Yeah. Um, and on that social media, what is your favorite social media tool for either personal or business? Um, I would have to say LinkedIn for business. Um, up until I started working at New York Life, I hadn't really been active on Facebook or Instagram. Um, not active on Instagram for New York Life, um, but just active just because I was in the process of looking for a job. And I seen that that's where a lot of my attention was going to Facebook and Instagram. And, you know, I said, you know what, I'm going to just deactivate both of these, remove them from my phone. And the time that I was spent on there, I basically got on Indeed. That's how I ended up at the last property management job. But for personal, I would probably say Instagram just because I can post pictures of me and my children. Um, but business, for sure, LinkedIn, just because I think that that's a way for me to build my brand and help people realize that I'm not just a connection. I'm not just the description that's on there about me. I'm more than that. I am a person like the conversation that we had before this started, you know, just getting people to realize that. And that was one of the reasons that I reached out to you because I'm like, hey, I want to get to know my connections better to see if I can be a resource to them or if they can be a resource to me or anything in that sort. Because I think that's what it's about. It's a networking platform. And it's not just, oh, I have 5,000 connections and, you know, I'm this big person. But it's like, do you know any of those connections? Do you have an authentic relationship with any of those connections? And what I've learned since I've been doing that, which has been probably the last five months, I've actually been able to connect people. I went out and met with someone and they say, oh, I do this. And next thing you know, I meet with someone else who needs their service. And I'm like, you know what? I just met somebody off of LinkedIn who can help you. You know, this is their name. Here's a pic. I'm going to send you a picture of their business card and you two should connect and get together to see how you two can help each other. And I think that's what it's all about, you know, building actual relationships. Yeah, like you touched on that nice little piece there. People see, you know, a 10,000 follower or 5,000 follower and they're like, I made it. I got 5,000 people. But if you have 5,000 people and you sold, what good does those 5,000 people do? Or, you know, you've got 10,000 people on Instagram, but your engagement is 15 likes on a post. Like, do you realize how actually that makes you look worse? Or uh, the musicians that I work with, there's a big thing now of people paying for streams, mm -hmm. which I see, I see why <laughs> and I see why not. But, like, it's the same thing, too, is, like, you could fully tell the people that are paying for streams or paying for likes or paying for followers. Yes. And they're, I could see why because it makes... If I'm looking at your video and I'm like, oh, well, shit, 10,000 people have already seen this, maybe I should check it out. Right. You kind of that, like, you want to follow the yep. leader type thing. Yeah, people are time, doing what other people are doing. Um, there was a guy that wanted to be on the podcast. We won't name names because I don't remember his name. Otherwise, I'd thoroughly throw him under the bus. But he wanted to be on the podcast, sent me an Instagram message, and was like, hey, I see all the interviews you're doing with these musicians. I love the content you're doing. I'd love to be on your show. And I always, anybody that wants to be on the show, I'm like, all right, send me links. If you can't provide two or three links of, so I have some reason of why I want to go spend an hour talking with right. them plus a couple hours of editing video, like, right. give me a reason to show me that you're a professional, show me that you have a catalog. Yes. Sends me his YouTube channel. First first video has 30,000 likes. All right. Check it out. Next video, 12. 12,000 or 12? 12. 12. One, That's two. a big Next drop. video, 34. And that's all he had on there. 
the reason that he got 30 whatever thousand was he, he clickbaited. The title was official Chris Brown, blah, blah, blah. This guy's clearly not Chris Brown. Chris Brown's not in the video. <laughs> so to me as a marketer, I'm like, that's how they do it. Yeah, and then a lot of times they'll do that and they'll change the name back to their own thing once they get, you know, whatever hype. But to me as a marketer, I was like, dude, why'd you do that? Oh, I don't know if you know, but it's a marketing technique. And I was like, I want to let you know that that marketing technique just made sure that you'll never be on my show. Yeah. Like, I want somebody that's actually putting out quality and putting out their own stuff. I don't care if you, I would have worked with him if he had 12 and 34 and 15 if I liked all three songs. I'd yeah. be happy to work with yeah. him. Yeah. But after I see that, that's all you're trying to do. <laughs> why would I want, why would I want to work with you? You're a fraud. Yep. And yep. I, I don't understand why the people are doing that. Where you know, like, if this video only hits ten likes, at least maybe one or two of those people is actually going to get something from it. Yes. Or the better the content, it naturally blows up. Yes. And people are so stuck on that. Like, I need it right now. I mm -hmm. need instant fame. I yep. need to be insta famous. Yep. Where. Why? <laughs> and to me, it's like they don't look at, because with social media, um, a lot of entrepreneurs that I know, um, especially women, have admitted to, you know, oh, I hate going on Facebook or I hate going on Instagram because such and such is on there talking about how successful they are. And this person is talking about how successful their business is. But it's like, hey, they're sharing with you the good things. They're not sharing with you the bad things. And then another thing you have to look at is, for myself, I'm on chapter one. So I can't look at an agent who's been here at New York Life for 30 and 40 years and say, gosh, I want to be like them. Why am I not successful as them? I'm still only on chapter one. Mm -hmm. I can't be as successful as them when they've been here longer than I have. They've been doing this longer than I have. It's like, it takes time. You just can't. Nobody is a celebrity overnight. Nobody. At least nobody that I know. <laughs> I always use the, the phrase on that one is there's a lot of overnight celebrities, but they were also a nobody for the first 20 years. Yeah. You know, I mean, same with like we were saying, like I pump out content every day and a lot of it doesn't hit. Some of it hits. But eventually when everything hits or, you know, I got the first interview with X, X, Y, Z artist and then they hit. Yeah. Everybody's coming back to see, oh, Colin's yep. conversations yep. four years ago. Yep. Had, had the story, they realized, yep. and then that gives you that credibility, which is, brings me to the point, like you're saying, you're in chapter one. I highly recommend, and again, I know you have a lot more restrictions being that you're within a corporation, mm -hmm. but the more that you could document everything that you do, think about how easy it is, camera, phone, tripod, just to have set up for, you know, you can't have it for all meetings and things, but mm -hmm. kind of showing this is what this is what I was like at chapter one. Mm -hmm. This is what I was like at chapter two, chapter mm -hmm. three, chapter four, documenting that process. So then when you're, you know, t agent tenure, and you got that new lady that comes in and you say, hey, check out this reel. Like, I was there too. I was looking the envelopes. I was doing this. So that way you have that documented of the journey, which a lot of people overlook that for content. Mm -hmm. I mean, same too. I'm not a million dollar marketer yet. Yet. But when people see that, oh, he started off doing graphics for a dollar, raised him to two, raised him to five, whatever, you know, kind of seeing that process of I started out with that camera, mm -hmm. did a couple episodes with that got this camera, got that microphone, kind of showing how everything comes together. And then when you are that big celebrity, everybody's like, oh, he's full of shit. He's a, you know, blah, blah, blah. He's not. not. Like, Here he's it is. documented the yeah. full ride, the ups, the downs. And a lot of the better stuff that I put up is the downs. The 
frustrated car video or you know like the the story of how they didn't make it opposed to how they got that song that worked or that artist that couldn't sell a painting and then sold the whole gallery like people want to see the down yes because like you said everybody's highlighting that the up that up like it's that natural cycle of you could only see so much up and you're like oh how'd they get up yeah how do i get up yep and then by having just a simple camera or every day at the end of your day look into a camera to set it up just like this say all right so this is what i learned today this is what i didn't learn today this is what i met today and then a simple video edit you have content for life yeah i actually thought about um i joked with my mom and someone else over the weekend and stated how i was gonna write a book after maybe about four years to just talk about everything the ups the downs and just to share it because like you said you just see all these ups and it's like okay yeah that's what makes people think like oh well look they did it and they didn't go through this and they didn't go through that that's one thing that I love about New York life because no one here we have one agent here who's been here for over 50 years that's crazy no one here walks around and say oh yeah it was easy when I started out like I don't understand any of the struggles that you're having they're like no I was there too before right. like you're gonna pass over this this isn't gonna last like just stay fast in it and keep learning keep growing keep talking to people and you too will get there one day but it's just not like oh yeah I don't understand what you're going through I didn't go through that I you know one of my old co-workers used to always say to people like I wasn't born this big and it's like I wasn't born successful like you know I didn't start out here and just was successful just like that I went out on a couple appointments and just like that my career took off mm -hmm. like and some people who come here they think that they think like oh yeah I'm gonna be I'm gonna be um successful within the first month and it's like no you have a lot to learn and it's all based on you like you see other people around you that's successful but you can't compare where you're starting at to where they're at mm -hmm. if you go back to where they started at they started there too absolutely uh it's funny that you mentioned the writing a book if you are going to write a book i highly recommend taking that last piece of advice and kind of doing that daily into the camera so mm -hmm. that when you sit down it's not all one blur right um because i'm kind of working on that too i have one book on amazon now just kind of when i was working with more artists i, I mean authors not artists you know everybody's doing that kdp route the uh, kindle digital publishing okay kind of do it all yourself upload it to there and if you need to print out books they do it for you it's a oh, great okay. service but I was working with these artists and didn't, I mean, these authors, and I couldn't quite figure out how to properly word things or sell things because I hadn't gone through that process. Mm -hmm. So one day during the winter, I went and did the full uh, Google Analytics certifications in the weekend, which is a ton of videos, a ton of reading, blah, blah, blah. You take a test and then you get a little thing from Google that says, this guy's certified in doing analytics. Again, I needed that to kind of... If I don't have a full-on four-year degree in marketing, right? Here's my YouTube certifications, my Google certifications. Mm -hmm. Like, here's all these other little pieces. So I took all the answers to the to the test and made a study guide. Quick little graphical thing, put it up yep. on on Amazon. I've sold 55 copies of something I don't ever talk about and I don't ever push. But again, that, that shows if you know how to do your keywords and I know how to put up the thing. It naturally, when people are looking for a Google certification, oh, Colin Ross complete study guide. $2, $3, whatever it is, let me give it a shot. So same too, I'm also working on now, and I hate writing. Like, when my mom hears that I'm like writing books and doing things, she's like, you, you, you skip school, you tell me you're like, you 
figure it out. But what I'm trying to do is make a, a one year of podcasting look. Mm-hmm. Kind of, this is what a podcast is. This is how I got started. This is why I got started. This is what I learned. So, like, you, there's so many groups of people trying to learn about podcasting. Yes. And I, I saw a stat. Most, I think it's 80% of podcasts don't make it past four or five episodes. Wow. And you're going to be, like, 44, 45, somewhere in that ballpark. So, like, knowing that I'm past 80% of people already, you're yeah. like... Not Joe Rogan yet, but I'm passing eighty percent of you. <laughs> you yes. know, so kind of taking that as that this is all the time that I put in here, this is what I learned, or going off different footage and oh well, on this one I didn't know how to keep a fucking camera steady. I bought a tripod. <laughs> or this one was this, or you know, kind of just teaching the lessons that I taught in one year, putting it in a book, and then at the end of once I make that, at the end of every podcast or on a blog, check out this, check yep. out this. Yeah. And I like how you keep saying yet. Yeah, you keep. It's most people don't say that. You have to be an optimist. Yes. Like, you can't just be like, "Well, it's hard. I don't want to do this anymore." Mm-mm. Like, it doesn't work that way. Like, even my wife would be like, "You put so many hours into this, and you're not making that much money. Like, you still have to go landscape all day. Like, I'm going to leave here. I'm going to go cut yards and move mulch. And but you have to hustle. You have to keep moving." Otherwise, you're going to stay still forever, yep. is how I look at it. Yep. And a lot of people will see, you know, you're spending all this hours and money and stuff on this, but like you said, you spent a hundred plus thousand dollars on school and you're not using it. So if I spend 700 on a camera, I'm way ahead of the game, you know? Way ahead. And, you know, kind of same too. Like yesterday, I finally figured out how to put the, uh, like the audio bar, like the equalizer yes. on the graphic. yes. That's such a simple thing, but after like trying to figure that out for two or three days and then finally finding that right tutorial of like, she made it that easy? What's wrong with these other 10 people? Right, it right. So difficult. Right. But then as soon as you get that one level up, you know, as soon as I figure that out, the first thing in my brain, go make a graphic, this service now available. Yep. I know how to do it now. Yep. I can make them multicolored. I make them all different things and kind of same like with the different graphics. Each episode gets a little bit more better produced because I'm learning. Mm-hmm talking to different people and putting it all together and like you said building that network a lot of the music that's going to be in this one is going to come from scuff mix sun dirty backpack and three or four other artists that have also been on the show using that whole talent pool yes why pay for music let me help promote you yes you know get you out to a whole different thing and that's why like i said before too i'm not going with different the same niche why not tell business people this guy makes music? Business people listen to music. Sure business do. Business people read books and art and everything ties in together. together. And it takes it to the different platform and it allows me to kind of, this is what a musician post should look like, but this is what a New York Life post should look like. And then when you look at this, you're like, wow, you can figure out all angles. Yes. So it's one of those, that's why it's yet, you know? Did I know four weeks ago? Well, I did with this one because I thought <laughs> But, you know, I mean, like, normally it's like, all right, I got three or four days to prepare for an interview. Let me do a little bit of research on them so I know what I'm talking about. But also, like, do you know, do you know who Nardwar is? No. Gotta watch Nardwar. He's, like, the most uh, insane interviewer ever. He's from Canada. There's a lot of musicians, a lot of everybody. But this guy, like, he'll know what you ate for breakfast when you were five years old. Like, that's how thorough he is. Wow. this guy is with his stuff. Like, every interview, they're like... How'd you know that? And his response is, you're such and such. We have to know that. And I'm, you know, I'm the interview, interview guy. And it's kind of, I like to know about you, but I like to leave it open. Because if, if I come in here with, tell me about insurance. Tell me about, 
how did you decide to wear that shirt today? Like, that's boring. But, like, to have a couple key points and kind of know a couple, or once you say something, like, all right, run that back. Like, I hear a clip in that. Mm-hmm. Like, you kind of start to learn, like, all right, she's talked for a minute and a half. This is now an IGTV video. This is a 45 second. That's Instagram. This is five minute rant. That's LinkedIn. Like, kind of already processing in my head. Yes. While we're having this conversation. Yes. Where to take stuff to. Yes. And within that, let's actually get on topic and kind of wind this down. Let, I want to learn as much as we can in this interview about life insurance. Um, we kind of touched on a little bit of things, but when it's, to me, it's the earlier in life, the better to get life insurance. Yes, for sure. The earlier, the better to get life insurance. Um, me, myself, I have insurance on my two children. My daughter is 11. My son is six. Um, I had insurance on them before I came here to New York Life. Um just because it was cheap and at the time four and seven no four and eight four and nine i can't add today four and nine and the premiums that i pay for them that'll be the same premium for the rest of their life it will never go up they'll always be insured now when they do get older and start a family and things like that they can take on more insurance, but for right now, they have a whole life policy that's locked in and secure for them. Um, another thing to think about, it's unfortunate, but a lot of kids get sick at a younger age, you know. I met someone who, you know, had been diagnosed with leukemia. I actually went to school with a kid who in fourth grade was diagnosed with leukemia. So it's like at that point, you have to wait until you're cancer free for so long before you can apply for life insurance. And then just thinking about adults who, you know, maybe had a sickness when they were a child and it was overlooked for some reason or another. And then they're an adult and they go to get life insurance and they're told, oh, well, the medication that you're on prevents you from being covered for life insurance or your weight prevents you from being you know, turn down for life insurance or a pre-existing condition that you do have now prevents you from getting life insurance. And then it's cheaper when you're younger and who doesn't love to save money. So it's like, why not start now? And the same goes for planning for retirement. You know, the longer you wait, the less you're going to have. The longer you wait for life insurance is, you know, then you have to worry about things happening to you and you not being able to be insured, especially if you have children, you know, that look up to you and who rely on you. If something was to happen to you, they would need that life insurance. And that person who's going to take care of them would need that money as well. Um, So that's why I think it's important to get it while you're younger. And then also, if you're starting a family or if you just purchased a house, you know, If something was to happen to you, what's going to happen to that mortgage? Is your family going to be forced to move away? Or are they going to be forced to sell the house? Or is the house going to be let go? Um, You started a career and, you know, you make a certain amount of money and you plan on marrying someone. But what if something happens to you prematurely, you know, and that person is relying on your income because you guys are starting a family, you know, how is that person supposed to keep on going? without having to, you know, put the kids in daycare and go out and get two or three jobs just to make ends meet. Gotcha. And what makes um, what makes your company the one to go to? Because it sounds kind of like what you said there. It kind of sounds like it's just that formula of, like, the more likely you are to die, the less we want to deal with you. What makes New York so the, the company that people should choose, if that makes sense? Um, 
we've been around for over 170 years um the largest mutual life insurance company in the country and what i mean by mutual life insurance company is that you can't go out and buy stock for new york life the policy owners of our whole life policies own our company so we're not interested in the next five years we're interested in the next 10 to 20 to 30 years we're looking at things for the long haul um and with all of that being said a lot of our policies offer things that other policy holders at other companies don't offer when you get a term policy through new york life you can get it when you're 20 years old and you can get one of the best ratings and then in 20 years when you're ready to convert that you could have a sickness but guess what? You're still locked in for that same rating that you got 20 years ago. Whereas with another company, once that 20 year term is up, it's up. It's gotcha. no converting. It's no keeping it, you know. So other companies are kind of like the cable company of the insurance. And we're going to say, hey, come check us out for that introductory time. And then after that introductory time, it's like arm and leg time. Now. Yes. Yes, arm and leg time, or with some people, um, I've heard stories while being in this industry where other insurance companies haven't paid out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's been years and they haven't paid out a death claim, or they're investigating something, they're trying to go back through questions that were asked to see if they can find a loophole to say, oh yeah, we can't pay out that death benefit because... You were a smoker. Yeah, whatever. something like that. And it's like, well, at the time, the person who the field underwriter which we are when we go out and we talk to different clients because we're supposed to find out all of this information why didn't they find out that this person was a smoker how did they not know that this person was a smoker or did they know that that person was a smoker and just said non-smoker mm -hmm. so then when something does happen you know you can't do anything and i actually went out on an appointment with a lovely couple that i met um they live in Medina and the husband couldn't believe he said if something was to happen to me in a month what my wife wouldn't get all of this money and I said no she would get the full death benefit if something was to happen to you in a month and he said she wouldn't just get part of it and I said no she would get the full death benefit as long as you didn't commit suicide and his wife laughed and was like no it's not gonna be a suicide you know I'm gonna just downright find someone to kill him you know she joked about that you know just because that's the type of stuff that's on yeah you know that's the type of stuff that we see on movies and things right. like that but he just was he was in shock that I told him like no if you submit cash with your application today you have temporary coverage so if something happens to you after your application is submitted new york life is on the hook to a certain extent and your wife is going to get this death benefit and it's not going to be a death benefit a month later or years later you're going to get it in a in a short time frame and another thing that brought me here was through the situation that i went through when my fiance passed away he worked for ford motor company which everyone knows ford motor company but no one came out and talked to us. I got a check in the mail. Plain and simple. Opened up the mail. Oh, here's a life insurance check. And that was it. As opposed to here in New York Life, you know, an agent is going out to talk to that family because this is someone that they built a relationship. They know that person. It's not just, oh, yeah, such and such as husband or wife died. You know, let's mail them out their check. No, it's like... We go out there and see our clients and their families. And, you know, sometimes it's agents. I've heard stories where agents have went to the hospital when they found out, you know, such and such is getting ready to pass. They went and sat with the family, not just saying, oh, well, yep, 
here's their death benefit oh, drop that in the mail they'll get it no we actually go and be with our clients and show them that you know we're still the same person that we were when we first sat down with you or when we first sat down with him you know to go that extra mile and just to show again that we're not transactional right. we're human beings who care about the people who lives we're being trusted with and you know things of that sort and uh i forget the term you use but uh i think you said one was accidental death like what types what different types of life insurance are there and is there like one that's like a blanket one size fits all um everyone is different so um for sure with term um that's something that's temporary it's like the if insurance so when would i get term life insurance that'd be if what somebody's getting you think somebody's gonna get sick because no um it would be more like you know someone starting a family um just because it's larger amounts gotcha. you know a hundred thousand up to a million and you can get that for a reasonable rate um someone who has small children you know if something was to happen to them prematurely you know their spouse would then be able to continue to provide for the child or children until the age of 18 when you know kids rely on you the most um but then i have clients who don't have any kids and they have term because they know that one day they are going to have a family they are going to buy a house and they're going to need mortgage protection where on the other hand they have whole life because it can be used as a savings vehicle that premium is locked in for the rest of your life and that and going back to the if insurance with term if someone dies with term they typically died at a young age Whereas if whole life is for your whole life, it doesn't have an expiration. The only time it does expire is when you unfortunately do pass away. Um, I think it's better for younger people to have term because majority of the younger people that I know do have children that are under the age of 18. So like I said, you know, that money is there to provide for them. I also know older people who have term along with whole life because if something was to happen to them, if they have a younger spouse, you know, and they pass away before that spouse can get their social security, that life insurance money can fill in until they have reached that social security age and then they can draw off of their spouse's social security. Gotcha. How, how long in a typical meeting does it take for somebody to understand that all that they're getting? Um, I, I mean, think you seem like you do a very good job of explaining it, but is it something that people kind of just, it just seems like all insurance is one of those, it's hard to wrap your head around all of it. Yes, it is for sure hard to wrap your head around all of it. Um, I think it depends on the individual and how much they actually know about life insurance. I've had some people who already knew what they wanted when we met the first time. They're like, this is what I want. This is how much I know that my family needs. This is how much we're looking to get. This is a budget that we're willing to stay in. And then I have other people who, you know, I had one guy who I was talking to and I wasn't using any big terms or anything. And he told me, dummy it down dummy it down for me so I can understand all of this of what I'm getting and I respected that because a lot of people I don't know if you know people like this but I know people like this who may be ashamed or embarrassed to admit that they don't understand something so they may say they understand it and then I'll get a call a week or two later and say hey I didn't really understand this and I didn't really know how to tell you that at the time but it's like I go through and try to make sure that hey and plus we're provided with a lot of material here to say hey you know term insurance is like renting 
you know, when you rent from someone, you don't get to put any value into your home. The value that you do put in is your furniture and, you know, your family pictures and, you know, things that you enjoy doing. But at the same time, you know, your rent may go up every year, mm -hmm. you know, as opposed with whole life. It's just like buying a house because it's going to build equity. There is a savings inside of a whole life policy that you can accumulate over time. You know, just like how we talked about going to a bank to get a loan as a small business owner or as a business owner or just as anyone, you know, with whole life insurance, you can, if it's done correctly, you can build your own savings inside of there that can be used for college funding for your children. It can be used for retirement planning. It can be used for your children to start a business or to get married or a down payment on a house. It can be used for so many different things. And you don't have to go to that bank and say, well, you know, here's my tax returns for the last two years. You know, here are my bank statements, you know, for the last two years. It's no, you just make a phone call and say, hey, you know, I either want to do a withdrawal or I want to borrow against it. Gotcha. And it's your money. That's cool. I didn't know that part about it. Yes. Um, a lot of, of people don't. Like you were saying, I mean, you put this huge image in my head when you're like, the people that just, they think they know, but they don't. I just see like the little kid in class that's like too afraid to ask questions. And they're like, I know it. Yeah. And then they get home and they're like, how do I do homework? Yes. And that's one thing that I emphasize to my daughter all the time. Like, if you don't understand something... Raise your hand and say it because guess what? Somebody else doesn't understand Somebody else in that classroom doesn't understand it and they're just too shy to raise their hand and say, hey, can you go over that problem again? Right. I said, and then once you ask that question, in their head, they're like, yes. <laughs> I didn't have to raise my hand and be embarrassed or you know anything right. like that, that I didn't understand something. And to me, I think that's big. Like, if you don't understand something, say you don't understand it because in the end, like you said, you get home from school and you're like, how do I do this homework? <laughs> and then you go back to school the next day and you don't have your homework complete. All right. You can only go through so many times of not understanding it to where you're like, look, we can't put you through to the next grade. All right. Or we can't promote you because of what you demonstrated. You know, you claim to have known how to do this, but you clearly don't. And I think that's, it's a lot of that going around nowadays. People just being ashamed or embarrassed to admit that they don't know something or they don't understand something because they're afraid that someone's going to judge them or look down on them or just feel a certain type of way. And it's like, hey, be true to yourself because at the end of the day, it's going to be you who's doing everything. Nobody else. Colin can't do my homework for me. Well, Colin can help with homework. <laughs> <laughs> Can't help with homework. I help with homework every day. I know that's right, but it's like you can't, <laughs> right, you know, you can't just say, oh, well, I'm going to have, you know, such and such is going to do my homework. No, because after a while, that person is going to get sick of doing your homework or they're going to be charging you so much to where you're like, I can't afford to pay them to do my homework anymore. What am I going to do? Right. Yeah, I, that's an American thing, though, where it's one of those like in school, you look down at the nerd and then you get out of school and you go to that same nerd for camera help or computer yep. help or yep. to do your taxes yep. or things like that you know instead of like taking that time to be like oh math is cool oh taxes that's a cool thing to learn like why we go through 12 15 years of school and don't know how to fill out your own tax form like it's amazing to me amazing <laughs> amazing amazing you guys do investments here too is that right um yes we do um Unfortunately, I am not a registered representative right. as of right now. Um, I plan to get my Series 6 or either my Series 7 
um, for sure by the spring, if not sooner. But yes, there are a lot of people here who do investments, um, retirement planning, um, guaranteed income, and a lot of different other things. And uh, the Series 6, I've, I'm, when I was in banking, I you know a guy that was trying to go through that. That book's like this big, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's and they actually broken it down now into two different tests from what I was told where you have to take one test in order to be able to take the actual Series 6 or Series 7 test. Like from the outside, or if you know somebody that's studying for an exam like that, you're like, why do they have to do that much ridiculous? But then from, like, when you take that one step removed, you're like, all right, well, this guy might not know what he's talking about, but he has to know what he's talking about because mm -hmm. he just had to do this much schooling. Like, yes. The same way you might not overly trust a doctor, but you're like, I trust the doctor. I should trust the doctor more than I trust mom. Yeah. You know, but yeah. it's one of those comfort things of, yes. you know, every everybody not everybody that's the wrong word a lot of people think that both insurance investments that everybody's just out trying to get your money which mm -hmm. from what you're saying at least on your personal side of the insurance thing you are just out here for the check no i actually explained that to someone that i met with last week because they were like you know well i don't you know we've been sitting here talking you know for an hour and a half and i can't be your client and i'm like yeah but i realized that not everyone is going to be my client, but hopefully with some of the information that I've given you, you can pass along to someone else. You know, mm -hmm. to me, that's what it's all about is about educating everyone and to let them know, you know, not all insurance people are out there for the money. You know, it's not a scam. You know, I'm a real person. As you can see, this is a real company. Um, I like to bring some of my clients here just to show them like because they know that I might meet them at a Panera or a Starbucks or a different restaurant or their home. Or, you know, one guy, we did, we met in my car because he was like, hey, can you take me to pick up my car from the shop? And, you know, we can talk a little bit while we're going there and before we get to Panera. And it's like, okay, yeah, you know, we're meeting each other where we can. But at the same time, hey, why don't you come out to my office so you can see that this is a real office. I am working with a real company, you know. We have pretty much this whole floor outside of, you know, the backside, I think maybe two or three suites, but it's like, it's showing someone that you're not just in this for the money, you're in this to educate people and to actually help people. I can't prevent anyone from going through what I went through because I can't control when someone dies, but it's like, I can help you ease into that process where instead of someone passing and you guys not being prepared, you're then sitting back, how am I going to pay for the funeral? How am I going to pay our mortgage for the next XYZ years? How am I going to continue to pay for this private school that our kids go to? That's what I'm here for to say, hey, this is a way that you can do that. Mm -hmm. And I also do that by asking questions and making statements that make people think. You know, some things that they never thought about before. It's a lot of people who will say, I've had people who told me, oh, yeah, I got 100000 in life insurance. You know, I have enough. And I'm like, you got a three-year-old son, don't you? On top of that, you have two other kids that aren't teenagers, right? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, and you own a house too, right? And you have other debt? And they're like, yeah. And I'm like, okay, so what if something was to happen to you last night? How is your husband or wife going to continue to provide for the family knowing that your income is gone? And it was like a light bulb went off. <laughs> and she did the same thing you did. She laughed and was like, you're right. I don't have enough. But it's right. like, we don't think about that. We just think like, oh, I got $100,000. they will be able to bury me. And, you know, they'll be able to do, you know, something else with that money. But it's like, 
if you make fifty thousand a year, you know, after you bury your after it's two years, right. and then what after that? You know, this is somebody who planned to be with you for the rest of your life. Why not replace some of that income? Right. And it's a lot of people who, oh, well, you know, I don't want people to get rich off of me passing away. And it's like, the funeral home, the church, the pastor, the florist. What type of taxes come out of, uh, like, a, a death package or? None. None? It's all, if it's $100,000, you get that full 100 grand? 400 grand. Nice. Tax free, all yours. So it's like everyone else is getting rich around you except for the people who you love and who you care about. Right. Like, why not leave something to them? And they're not getting rich because that's 100000 That's really not going to change someone's right. lifestyle. They're either going to make the right choices or they're going to make all the wrong choices and in two years not have anything. So it's like you're not really changing someone's lifestyle off of the money that you're leaving them. You may be giving them a stepping stone, right. which I don't know about you, but I didn't have a stepping stone. So it's like when I leave here, I want to leave my kids a stepping stone to say, hey, you know, you don't have to go through this. You don't have to struggle. You know, when you get out of college, you can take some money out of your life insurance policy. Not all of it, but you can take some off of it and, you know, pay back maybe $10,000 on your student loan. And then you're helping your credit, you know, while you're doing that. Absolutely from a from your own personal bank not going to a bank saying hey you know i need to get a loan to do this or to do that no you can pull money right off from that policy and i actually when i first started reaching out to people on linkedin um there was a guy that i reached out to and met with him he's now in banking but he explained to me that he used to be an agent and he said when you know he had down times and he know he still needed to provide for his family he went right inside of his whole life cash value and pulled money out and said okay I got money for the next month, you know, three months down the line. Okay, we need new tires on our car. Pull money out of the life insurance policy. Got new tires on your cars without going through a bank. Right. It's your own personal bank. And you're not dealing with credit card interest or things like that. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, to wrap everything up, I'm going to do a couple hot topic questions because everybody okay. needs those click questions. Yes. Um, we're in a very big nice corporate office and I see at least two tattoos on you what is have you had any <laughs> negative or positive things with having tattoos in a corporate field um no at least if I have no one ha here has said anything to me um and working for the corporate office that I worked for before um after my fiance passed I actually got this tattoo which I was advised by my grandmother not to do because I work in the business world and that's frowned upon. But I just feel like now a lot of places are changing and they're embracing people for who they are. Um, you said you've seen two that says peace. I got this after yeah, my fiance passed. These are my kids' names. These were supposed to be M&Ms because both of their names start with M's, but the guy didn't really do a good job. Um, but it's like I haven't seen anything. I know a lot of other people who work in the business realm. One of my old bosses, he has tattoos, but he wore long sleeves every day. Mm -hmm. So you never knew he had tattoos, but I haven't received any, you know. That's awesome. If you do need to cover up an episode, I don't know, six or seven before you, Ove Mendoza out of Akron. You know Ove? Yeah, he did two tattoos for me. Um in April. I didn't know he was on your show. That's good to hear. You have to check that out. Yeah. Oh, they just say, no, I'm over here trying to trying to get you customers, but you already got them before me. Good yeah. job, my man. Yeah, I checked him out. Um, Someone shared his work with me on Instagram. and He's got like 25,000 followers, and it was a great conversation about that because, you know, everybody wants to know how to get that 25, and he's the perfect example of 
every day or every two days he's posting quality work. Yep. You know exactly what you're going to get. Yep. And, you know, his tattoo shop is really nice, really it clean, is. well lit. He's got his art, different mediums and everything. Yeah, and he really, the stuff that he displays, um, I don't follow him on any other platforms besides for Instagram. But when I went and met with him in person, it wasn't a surprise. Like, everything that he did was stuff that I had seen on Instagram where he was doing sketches, you know. It wasn't like, oh, let me download this or anything like that. It was like, no, okay, oh, this is what you want? Okay, how do you want it, you know? It, it was a great experience. And I actually did, we did actually discuss doing a cover-up. Nice. And <laughs> hopefully in the future he will be doing a cover-up for me. Absolutely, yeah. Some, like his regular original work is great, but the stuff that she's kind of like, I've... I'm one of the abnormalities. I love asking the tattoo questions because I have zero and I'm probably never going to have one. Just I don't like needles and I don't like permanent decisions. Kind of, <laughs> kind of takes me fully out of any bit of tattooing. Yes, and, yes. Uh, he, he's probably put it the best of everybody that I've asked these questions of, you know, the workplace type uh -huh. stigmas of back, way back when when it started as just gangsters and sailors and things like that and it was just shitty art. That's, you know, like I think of my bus driver who had all these naked ladies and like, <laughs> none of them look good. Right, you know? right. But like then you see Ove or different people like him that yep. could, the exact portrait, it looks identical, identical once it hits your skin. Yes. So kind of the being able to take it from just a, a, a felon type thing to actually making it art is now why it's kind of accepted of it. Instead of just like, oh, when were you in prison because of that tattoo? Yeah, like, yep. You know, now you're like... Wow, I, like your kids' eyes look better on your back than they do on their actual on, face. On their actual face. Yes. Like, it's amazing what they could do with it. Yes. So I love that small world connection because we didn't talk at anything about Ove. No. And clearly you didn't do good enough research on me to know Ove. It's nope. the big red cover because he loves red. Um, other hot topic question. Have you had any more positive or negative experience being a, a minority in the corporate field being a black woman? Um, was there any resistance of getting anything or I for sure feel that I have to work harder um, just to prove who I am and to actually build that trust with people gotcha. so outside of that no just because to me it's about the value that I bring but it's just I may have to work a little harder than my white counterpart just to show that hey I'm in this for the long haul. I'm serious about what I'm doing, and I'm not just trying to be transactional with you. Like, I'm trying to bring value to you. Gotcha. Great answer. And uh, we're going to reposition the camera because this one died. But how I end every interview is what I call the digital soapbox. Okay. Um, you get to look dead in the camera once we get it set up, and you get one minute to end the interview for the listeners, the viewers, any possible way that you want to do it. Okay. Ready whenever you are. Okay. So I just wrapped up um, a great interview with Colin Ross on Colin's Conversation. Um, and my advice to all entrepreneurs out there is to keep going and to keep trying. No two days are the same. One day may be bad, but the next day could be great. And you never know what's in store for you. Um, I'm an agent with New York Life. And if you don't have insurance, I suggest that you talk to either myself or another agent in regards to obtaining life insurance for you and your family just to prevent and to plan for the unexpected. And with all of that being said, I'd like to thank Colin for giving me this great opportunity to talk to his network. Thanks again. As always, I want to thank the listeners. I want to thank the sponsors. I want to thank my guest. 
And I'd also like to ask you guys to go ahead and wherever you're listening to this at, maybe subscribe. Definitely leave a review. Even if you thought it was shit, let everybody know. If you thought it was great, let everybody know. And I look forward to the next episode, and I hope you do too. Talk to you then.